Last week, we had Easter weekend. So of course, my husband and I got us all dressed. I had the cutest little onesie for Highland that said thick thighs, Easter vibes. And we went to church. I wore something kind of casual, but I definitely took the time to do my hair and my makeup. And I remember sitting there in church as our Easter service got started. And immediately with the worship songs, just the words flowing over me, I started sobbing, like uncontrollably sobbing. And to the point where I was just like so embarrassed because I could not wipe away my tears fast enough. And I did not have a tissue. I didn't have anything to like help me manage the tear flow at this point. It was just like a river on both sides of my face. And I just looked at my husband. I was like, I cannot pull it together. And of course, I'm sitting there like, what is wrong with me? Like, why am I so emotional? Today is such a happy day. And it hit me that I am still, of course, healing from our fertility journey. And I felt like the words were just flowing over me and what Easter represents, what the tomb, the empty tomb represents, and the message that God had just really impressed on my heart that healing is happening, that ultimate healing will come to completion because of that empty tomb. So that is our inspiration for today's conversation. I want to just talk about basically three specific things that relate to our fertility journey that come from the empty tomb. Why does it matter? Why does what Jesus did matter to us who are walking through our fertility journey and struggling to conceive? That's what we're going to dive in today. So let's get started. Hey friends, welcome to the Waiting Well podcast. I am your host, Courtney Dunker, and you are here because your journey to motherhood has not looked the way that you always imagined. It has held heartbreak, loneliness, and questions like, why me, God? I'm here to remind you that you do not have to walk this road alone. And here, we can wait well together. Each week, I will share faith-based encouragement from my own infertility journey, provide information from guest experts on navigating infertility and conceiving, powerful testimonies, and top tips on stewarding your health and emotional well-being through this demanding journey. So if you are ready to take back control of your life, find peace with God, join the in-between spaces, and thrive in your waiting season, then meet me at the well, girl. Grab that warm chocolate chip cookie, a little bit of unicorn juice or iced coffee. We've got some intentional growth to do. Let's get it. So there I am sitting next to my husband, Easter morning. The church is fully packed. There is not an empty seat to be seen. And I cannot stop crying. I cannot pull it together. I don't even have a tissue. So there I am like trying like literally wiping tears on top of tears, which is actually just smearing my makeup everywhere. And I just felt the weight, the equal weight. It was like this incredible equilibrium. I don't even know if that's how to describe it, but that's the best that I can do where I felt the equal amount of pain that my conceiving journey had caused with the equal amount of peace that the tomb means for us who have gone through or are going through a very difficult conceiving journey. And that's that's the whole point of today's conversation. My hope and my prayer is that as you hear God's word today, the three verses that I really want to point you to in terms of what the tomb means for us who are on this conceiving journey, I pray that your heart and your spirit finds a lightness of the truth 
that you no longer will feel the pain to the same extent because the truth changes your perspective. The truth changes your emotions and it can create just this peace and this joy despite your circumstances that you cannot control. That no matter what happens, you just have this just evident peace and joy on your journey because of what God has done for us and what he says to us in his word. So let's dive into these three truths that are going to show us what the two means for us who are walking through very difficult fertility journeys or for us who, you know, may never ever become the human moms that we desire to be. So let's dive in. The first verse is 1 Peter 1:3. It says, "Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead." And I want to distinguish hope here. I think a lot of times in our fertility world, we define hope based off of evidence, based off of circumstances, based off of numbers. And it's essentially the hope is equivalent to our possibility of becoming a mom or conceiving naturally. It's like, oh, well, do you have hope that you are going to become a mom? Do you have hope that you can conceive naturally? Are you hopeful about your journey? But God is not, that is shallow hope. That hope will still leave us unfulfilled because if it's like, for example, we have one child, God gave us the hope that we would have a baby and we did, we have a baby, but guess what? I am still wanting more. I am not fully fulfilled. That one child becoming a mom did not change that fulfillment in me? Like, did it give me such great joy? Yes. Do I feel like every day I'm so grateful that God has given us Highland and I just can't imagine my life without her? Yes. But I am not fulfilled because I became a mom. If anything, I'm like, man, being a mom is so cool. I want to do it again. I want a baby again. I want to go through all the stages again. Like, I want more babies. So at the end of the day, if we put our hope or we define our hope into anything apart from Jesus Christ, there will always be a level that it's just not enough. We want more. That is the desire that is innate in us, that we are meant for our creator. We are meant for what only he can give. And so as we look at this verse, it says that in God's great mercy, he gave us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The point of the tomb with our fertility journey is that it it redefines what hope is. We can have hope no matter what our circumstances, whether we ever become biological parents or not, we can have a hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are newly born, infants again, and, and, and it's all in this new hope. And the definition of the hope is eternal life with Jesus. It's eternal life with Jesus where all of this pain, all of the suffering, all of those flashback moments that I was having of me crying, you know, in our apartment in Japan and me crying in our apartment in Argentina and me crying in our apartment in New Zealand and me passing out on the floor in New Zealand and me throwing up in Hungary, like all of the pieces of my fertility past that has created so much pain and scarring in my heart because there was so many questions of, do you love me, God? Like, where are you? Why are you not listening? Why are you not good to me? Why are you not blessing me with this life, with this thing that I'm praying for? 
all of those moments where I felt like there's tiny scars on my heart that obviously still need healing because I was so emotional on Sunday morning. Jesus has said, I have dealt with it on the cross. That pain you felt, dealt with it. There is now a new life that I've given you. That is my gift to you, is your hope that when I come back a second time and I restore all things, I will also restore this, this part of your story that has caused so much scarring and so much pain and so much suffering, and you will no longer need answers because standing in my presence and being with me in glory will be the fulfillment of what you're currently longing for. That desire to become a mom, it's because we're just looking for that full completion of love to be able to express that love, to be able to experience like that community and unity and relationship that the triune God has. Like we are made in his image. That's why we desire children is because we are made in God's image. The Holy Spirit, the Son, and God the Father, they are in this triune unity of love. And we were created for their love. And we currently seek that love in our current human life. But the reality is it will always fall short. It will never be enough. And that is why we need to adjust our definition of hope and learn from this scripture. What it says in 1 Peter 1.3 is that because Jesus rose from the dead, everything was dealt with. So it's not going to be dealt with in the future. Like every pain, every suffering, everything that I've gone through on my fertility journey, it all has a purpose and it all will be healed. Every bit of my heart that has felt tormented and in pain and shattered and heartache, all those things will be fully restored and healed when Jesus comes again. That is my hope because I was born into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As long as I'm living, I always have hope. And my hope is not in something that is temporary, which is becoming a mom. That is temporary as much as it's hard to say. Like, I will not be, that will not be my identity forever. At some point, I'll be in glory with Jesus and my identity will be in just worshiping him and being unified with him, my full completion, full healing. So this is that first point. We always have hope, a new hope. It's eternal hope. That's what the tomb did for us. It took this hope of like empty circumstances and empty promises, and it gave us a full hope that when we come to eternity, everything will be healed and we won't be lacking. Right now, we are feeling this sense of lacking. You are lacking answers. You're lacking completeness and lacking parts of love or relationship or that next step in your family journey. And that will be no more. It's all been dealt with. That's why Jesus came. That's why it's so powerful. That's why I couldn't stop crying because he took all of that pain, all of that suffering, even crazy enough, like shame I felt around not being able to conceive has been dealt with. And I have full healing where I will never feel that pain, the suffering, any of the trauma, any of the scars. I will never feel it again when I am standing with him in glory. That is hope, our new hope. Gosh, that's just wild to imagine. Like I can't imagine not having the painful memories of just being fully restored with him. Okay. The second thing is in Romans 8.34. It says, Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So what the tomb does for us navigating infertility is that we now have an intercessor. And I had to kind of look, dig a little bit deeper into that. Like, what does that mean? Because <laughs> intercessor is like kind of a big word. 
but it means that Jesus is our intercessor. He didn't just go to heaven and take a break. Sometimes I think that. Sometimes I'm like, oh, Jesus is just like partying up in heaven with his father again. And we're all down here just like living life. And it's a little bit like isolated events. Like he's up there and we're down here. And that's not true. Like all of Jesus's ministry in his adult life and his walking on this earth did not end when he went to heaven. That blew my mind. I was like, wow, him being our intercessor means that his ministry has continued, except now he is in heaven sitting at the right hand of God, interceding on my behalf, on your behalf. Because guess what? Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And that's us. We're the brethren. So Satan is currently talking to God because we can see that in Job that he talks to God and he is accusing us saying, oh, they don't deserve that. Oh, they don't do that. Oh, you know, pointing out our flaws and whatever. And Jesus Christ is right there at the right hand of God. And he is saying, God, look at me. And he is telling God all that, all that he did. It's all complete. I'm standing right next to you. I dealt with that on the cross. I conquered death. Like he is interceding on our behalf. He's doing ministry on our behalf in heaven. That is so wild. So a lot of times I reflect back on like the life of Job and he had everything stripped away from him, right? Because God was like, there is a faithful servant. You will not be able to get him to stumble, to reject me. And so Satan was like, game on, I will throw everything at him that I can do, and we will see him crumble, his faith crumble. And what happened? Job withstood every test that Satan threw his way. And then Satan was like, oh, well, it's because you've protected him. He's got this, this, and this, and the other thing. And so God was like, okay, fine. So strips him of his wealth, strips him of his family, strips him of everything. And There we have it. God still sees that Job is faithful, that Job is persevering in his faith despite the circumstances, that no matter what was happening to him on the inside or the outside, his health, his wealth, none of that did not matter. He still stayed true to confessing that God is on the throne and God is his God. And I just love that example because it shows us that not only Can we too also experience that? Like if Satan's going to come at us and God's going to allow for us to be tested through our fertility journey, which I 100% believe that's part of our stories, not for every single person, but I do believe that sometimes they are tests. They are spiritual tests to see where our heart's at. Are you going to choose me, good or bad, if I strip away everything? Are you still going to praise my name? Are you still going to worship me? Are you still going to call me good? Are you still going to know my character despite what's happening to you? Are you still going to love me like Job did? And the best part about the tomb is that if our infertility journey is part of our test, our spiritual test, Jesus is interceding on our behalf for us during this test. So Job did not have that. Job did not have Jesus on the right hand who had already conquered death interceding on his behalf, but we do. That's why the tomb changes everything. The empty tomb gave us an intercessor who is in heaven right now interceding on our behalf, fighting off the lies and the accusations of Satan and allowing us to still walk with him, be comforted by him, to know him, to experience his love, to still have hope. I mean, could you imagine not being able to have direct access to God 
and go through the hardest things you've ever gone through. Like I would label infertility and our journey as one of the hardest valleys I've ever been through. That's why we named Highland Highland because she was our Highland. Song of Ascent Highlands by Hillsong. Go look it up. It's amazing. But we walked through the darkest valley on trying to conceive her. She is our testimony of what what happens when we keep going, when we keep walking with the Lord. And I just want to encourage you that if it is a test, if it's a spiritual test and God is allowing this test to happen in your life, how are you doing on that test? Would you say that you're passing it? Are you choosing him? Are you fighting with him? Are you in ministry, in partnership with Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, knowing that nothing can touch your eternity, nothing can touch your hope, your joy, your peace, because you're a child of God? Or are you just getting rumbled and tumbled and the enemy is just accusing you and killing you and destroying you and just leaving you in the dirt and you have no fight left? I'll tell you what, that's what Jesus changed for us. He gave us the ability to fight back. We don't get to just get hit anymore. We have direct access to Jesus Christ to ask him for comfort, ask him for peace, ask him for provision through the test because we have a high priest who can identify with our suffering and with our tests. He has walked the path before us. The 40 days that Jesus spent in the desert, he was tested by Satan himself. So you can't say that you don't have the support or the help or the comfort or the everything that you need to get through this because you do. It's all in Jesus Christ. The tomb shows us that we can actually persevere with faith without it being completely destroyed. Obviously, it will be rocked. There will be questions and it's okay to question things and it's okay to have moments of just feeling defeated because that's when we come to the Lord and we're just on our knees and he fills our cup again. But the tomb changed everything and gave us an intercessor. And the final thing is that it's actually two verses, Romans 6, 5 through 6. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body rules by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. And Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself take up his cross and follow me. And I think a lot of times we forget that following Jesus means also embracing the cross. The journey of the cross came before the resurrection and the victory of the tomb. So if you are following Jesus Christ and all you're doing in your journey is just asking God, why me? Well, there's your answer. Because you said you identify with me. And if you identify with me, I told you to take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself. Does that mean everything will be suffering? Does that mean that he doesn't care about blessing us with good things? No, absolutely not. Scripture is very clear that God has great love for us, that he wants to give us good things and give us abundant life. But we cannot forget that we are united with him in death. Just like we're reunited with him in resurrection, our old self was crucified with him. Sin was done away with. So that sin of like struggling to believe in him, struggling to, you know, just battling through the lies and and the journey of infertility, that's all been dealt with on the cross. But the tomb allows us to 
remember that first came the cross. And if we're going to identify with his resurrection and with the victory, we also must embrace the journey to the cross. They are not mutually exclusive. They go together. They are one with the other. So this is not how it was meant to be. God's intention was not for us to suffer. God's intention was not for us to know pain, to know suffering, to know good and evil. Like that was the whole point of the Garden of Eden, going back to Adam and Eve, right? It's like, hello, this was not the point. Infertility was not the journey. Struggling to conceive was not the journey. That is not what God had for us. But in his great love for us, we did have free will. And because of the free will in choosing to disobey him, it opened up the door for sin to enter the world. And part of the effects of sin is disease and suffering and pain and heartache and difficult things that just wrench your heart. And they wrench his too. Like that's the thing about being a parent is that you never ever want your kid to suffer. I wow, that just like I think anyone can understand that. Even if you don't have a kid, you never want someone that you love. And with a kid, it's different because you just see your little baby from day one when they feel a little innocent. (laughs) And you never want them to suffer. God never wanted us, his baby girls, to suffer with this pain, to suffer with this heartache, to desire something so deep and for it to not be fulfilled for some of us or for it to take time for others of us. And that's why he sent Jesus Christ. That's the whole point of the empty grave. That he resurrected. He gave us eternal life. He fixed the problem. We're asking him to fix something else. We're asking him for a temporary solution to a much bigger issue. The bigger issue is fulfillment, identity, freedom, purpose, like all love. All of these things he has fixed in Jesus Christ. Like he has solved the problem of infertility. But we're still asking him for more. We're asking him for the temporary of being blessed to have children. And that is good. And that's okay to ask him for that. But don't lose sight of the fact that he has already dealt with the bigger issue at hand. And the greatest gift he could ever give you, greater than a baby, is his own son on your behalf. So the next time that you're carrying your cross, whether it is with infertility or something else, when you're carrying that cross and you feel like the weight of it is just impossible, and just like Jesus, you stumble to the ground under the weight of that cross and you get back up and you walk again, remember that you have a high priest who is interceding on your behalf. You have an eternal hope that can never be taken from you and you still have fight in you to finish this journey because in the end, not only are you crucified and united with him in death, but you're also united with him in his life. You are his co-heir and that he has solved the problem that is currently breaking your heart. Lord, I just thank you for the woman who is listening to this today. I pray for peace to surround her, for comfort of any heartbreak that she's facing right now, God. I praise you for all of the ways that the tomb changes our journey. And I pray that this truth would just nestle in where no matter what her circumstances, no matter what she's facing, God, that she would just be rooted deep into the truth and be 
overwhelmed by your great love for her on a daily basis. Lord, I also ask, because you are our intercessor, God, you are our intercessor, I ask that you would open her womb. I ask that you would bless her womb. I pray that she would conceive, God. Give her the desire of her heart, Lord. Help her keep the main thing, the main thing, which is your love. But God, you also want to give good things to your children. So God, I just pray that you would just give her that desire of her heart to conceive. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I am so glad that you chose to meet me at the well today. If this episode inspired you, changed you, or blessed you in some way, I would love for you to do one of two things. First, head to Apple Podcasts at that link below and leave a review. And second, screenshot this episode and share it in your stories, tagging me at Sewn With Strength or text it on over to a friend that this episode might bless. These are the number one ways to thank me. I am truly so grateful to be building out this community and I cannot wait to see you on the next episode. Until then, go get a workout done for me and I will see you right back here at the Waiting Well Podcast.